Turn to your Bibles, please, to Mark chapter 10. I had thought last week we were in Mark 11, but there's a paragraph left in Mark chapter 10 that I'd like to finish up this morning. And you know the story of blind Bartimaeus. But as you know, as we've been thinking about our theme this year, yes, children, you are dismissed. Let's quietly and with walking be dismissed. All right. They're excited to get to junior church. I don't blame them. And a little boy told his mom one time, he says, I want to be a preacher when I grow up. And she says, you want to be a preacher? And he says, well, yeah, if I have to go to church, it's better to stand and shout than sit and be quiet. And so I I can kind of, I can understand that. I'm going to be honest with you. um, I struggle sitting in church. And uh, because I'm not used to sitting in church and it's, it's, it's odd for me when those times come up and somebody else is preaching or uh, there was a service just a couple weeks ago where I did nothing. I sat and Brother Roberts led the singing and, and boy, it just really, I just felt uncomfortable and you want to be uh, kind of a fish out of water, but uh, you know, I enjoy being involved in the service. I hope you enjoy being involved in service. Serving our great King and Lord, and and so be involved, do something for the Lord. Mark chapter 10, verse 46, to the end of the chapter, we find again the story of blind Bartimaeus. But as we have been going through our the synoptic gospels this year, I've been reading the book of Mark and then also Matthew and Luke and comparing the stories and then preaching from one of those passages each Sunday morning as we work our way through the book of Mark, but not always in the book, uh, sometimes Matthew or Luke. Uh, our, our focus is not necessarily Bartimaeus. That's not what we've been doing. Our, our focus is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to see how the Lord Jesus Christ behaved in those circumstances and how he shone forth his glory. And our theme this year, of course, is speak Jesus. But in order to properly profess Christ, we have to know more about him. And we have to live a life that is like Jesus. Do you know, did you know this, that the moment you got saved, God put you on a path And the Bible says it this way in Romans chapter 8, you are predestinated. God has a plan for your life to be conformed to the image of the Son. He said, well, that's almost impossible. Let me say this. There's no greater compliment than God saying, I want you to be just like my son Jesus. I want you to grow to be like him. And, And that means sometimes some things get chiseled away. And that hurts a little bit. Other times he has to add some things into our lives and cultivate some things in our lives. We call them the fruit of the Spirit. We call it growing in grace, but whatever we might call it, we are to be more and more like Jesus every day. And so we're trying this year to learn more about Christ through the Gospels, that we might speak Jesus in our lives, not just with our lips. A lot of people profess Christ with their lips, but don't live it in their lives. But we need to profess Christ with our lives. Let them see Jesus in us. And so let's look at Mark chapter 10 this morning, and we'll read in verse 46. I would ask you this morning, especially if you would pray a little extra for me. uh, I'm not going to get into details, but I'm struggling with a little bit of a a disability this morning that's hindering me somewhat, and, and especially in reading the scriptures. And so would you pray with me this morning? that the Lord would show himself strong. Uh, Isn't isn't it good to know that in our weakness, he is strong? And that his strength is made perfect in weakness? And that same passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 or 12, says that his grace is sufficient. That's enough. And that's all we need. And so we're going to trust in him today. Look, if you will, in verse 46 of Mark chapter 10. I'm just going to read one verse. One verse, and then we will pray, and we'll get into our message this morning. And they came to Jericho, 
And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Emmaus, sat by the wayside begging, or by the highway side begging. Let's pray together. Father, as we just use that verse to introduce the message this morning, we are reminded of this man named blind Bartimaeus. And Lord, we, we see the struggles that he has in his physical body, but Lord, there's a spiritual struggle going on, but this struggle that he's having spiritually is not his. Oh yes, he needs to be born again, but the greatest obstacle to his being born again is the people all around him. Well, God, may we not be like these that we will read about in Scripture today, but instead, may we follow the title of this message and be conduits of mercy. Help us, Lord, to help people find the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I pray that you would help me today. I need your strength. In my weakness today, I pray that your strength would be made perfect. Lord, I need the Spirit of God to fill me and overcome some obstacles that I'm facing. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless the message and bless your word. And Lord, it's not about what I say, but I pray you'd bless your word. That you would speak to hearts. May the Spirit of God help us and move us today, we pray. And Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We all know the story of Bartimaeus as the Lord Jesus Christ was ministering around the area of Jericho. And the Bible says as he came out of the city, and as we know from other passages of Scripture, the Bible says that there were many that thronged him. It doesn't say that in this passage in Mark, but we know from experience that the Lord Jesus Christ eventually had to stop ministering in the cities altogether because there were so many people that wanted to see him. He was pressed, the Bible says. The the woman with the issue of blood had to push her way, the Bible says, through the press to reach and touch the hem of his garment. We know that the the, the, the small cities and the streets that were were narrow there, they, they could not accommodate the crowds that the Lord Jesus Christ was drawing and the people that wanted to know of him and know of his mercy. Blind Bartimaeus was no different than the rest. He had a physical ailment, but the Bible says in chapter uh, 10 and verse 46 that he cried. And I just want to give you a quick outline of the passage and then three principles this morning that I think might help you. I want you to notice, first of all, his cry. I want you to notice in verse 46, it was a cry for the master. A cry for the master. You'll notice that as Bartimaeus noticed the throngs of people coming out, and among those throngs of people would be the 12 disciples, would they not? Not only were there 12 disciples, the Bible tells us that when Jesus sent his disciples out to preach in the highways, there was over 70 that he called disciples at that time. And so among this crowd were not just the 12, but there were others that would be consider themselves disciples of Christ and others that were, had just come to faith in Christ and others that had left jobs and homes and were following Christ. And, and so there were many there that were perhaps part of an entourage. A group of people that had given themselves to following the Lord Jesus Christ and considered themselves born-again disciples of Jesus Christ. Isn't that what we all are? But notice Bartimaeus didn't cry out for any of them. He cried for the Master. Jesus, thou son of David, uh, I don't need Peter. Uh, I don't need Andrew. I don't need John, I need Jesus. Because it's Jesus that I'd heard was passing through. 
Isn't it interesting that perhaps we can assume that maybe there was a thousand or two thousand people that were thronging the Lord Jesus Christ as he tried to move throughout the countryside and, and, and he never heard of any of them, but he heard of Jesus. He was the one that could change his life. It was a cry for the master, but it was a cry for mercy. Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me. There was no specifics to his cry at this moment, was there? I just need mercy. I suppose that we could all cry out to the Lord for mercy. And if you say, no, my life is pretty good, can I can encourage you this morning? Hold on, because tomorrow it might not be. Tomorrow you might be standing in need of mercy. You might like be, like be just like Bartimaeus at the side of the road, begging and putting a hat down and just waiting for a few coins and maybe a few people to come by and, and bring you some, some food and some things to sustain your life and to try to help you along each and every day. But this, this cry that he cried out to the master was just simply, Lord, I need mercy. I need you to look upon me with compassion. There was no laundry list of things to fix. There was nothing in specific yet. Just, God, I need mercy. That is all of our cry, isn't it? Do you know the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that the Holy Spirit searcheth our hearts and prayeth and maketh intercession for us because here's why. We don't know how to pray. And if I, if I could just take that thought a little bit further, what, what the scripture is saying is, you don't know what you need. How many times have you tried to answer your own prayers? God, I have this health need, but if you will do this, I'll be fine. And God, I have a financial need, and if you give me just a little bit of money, and we tell God the answer to our prayers, God says, just, just cast all your cares upon me. Just pray. Just seek me. And so blind Bartimaeus seemed to understand that principle. He, he's saying, Lord, I, I don't even know exactly what it is I need. I know I'm blind, and I, and I know I'm lost, but Lord, just have mercy. May we throw ourselves on the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 4, the Bible says we can come boldly to the throne of grace and we can ask for mercy, but we find grace to help in the time of need. We throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus seeking mercy, and not only does he give us mercy, withholding what we deserve, but he gives us grace in abundance beyond that. What a wonderful God we serve. So we see the cry, and I want you to see secondly in the next verse, we see the charge. Look, if you will, in verse 48, or verse uh, 48, yes. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. What a horrible thing. What a terrible verse. I mean, I don't mean to discount the Bible and say the Bible is bad. I'm just saying that's a horrible verse. Not because... It doesn't see God's mercy, but simply because it records truth. How many of you know the word of God is always true and always honest, even if we don't like what we hear? I don't like reading about David and Bathsheba, but God tells the, the truth about the apple of his own eye. But here we have another hard truth. The people charged him saying, say not a word. Hush. What a horrible testimony for God's people. Now, I don't know that all of them were saved. 
We don't know the condition of the heart. Some were genuinely just new seekers, and perhaps they prioritized their own needs over the need of somebody else and saying, you just hush and you just be quiet because my need is greater than yours. Perhaps that was what was some on the minds of some people. Others thought that he just wasn't worthy. There was no help that he could find, and so you just sit there and beg and be quiet. But whatever their reasons were, they were not conduits of mercy. And they charged him to be quiet. But in the next verse, verse 49, we see compassion. And Jesus stood still. Wow. Have you ever been in a crowd that's just noisy? I, I, I don't know if this is common, but the last few years as I'm getting older... I cannot hear very well if there's a lot of clamor and noise going on. Is, is that common as you get older? And so if you're in a restaurant and it's a loud restaurant, and they're claiming, I might as well just sit and eat and go home because I, I can't have a conversation. My wife and I said, we're already, we're already ready for the nursing home. Because I'll say to her, what time is it? And she'll say, pork chops. You know, it's like, we, we, don't, we answer questions that nobody's asking. And we go, and I said, What? And she said, oh, I thought you asked what we're having for supper. I No. But if there's noise and clamor, I can't hear a thing. But among a thousand throngs of people, Jesus stood still and says, I hear something. And in compassion, he turned towards Bartimaeus. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man over saying to him, Be of good comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. I want you to notice the compassion, but I want you to also notice in that same verse the comfort. Can I say that all it takes is a look by Jesus in your direction to find comfort? That's all he needed. I'm not sure Bartimaeus knew at this point that he might get his eyes healed, that he might see again. He was just looking for mercy. And the multitude, as stubborn as they were, and as, as much they were trying to hush Bartimaeus, when Jesus said, call him to come over to me, they knew this, be of good comfort. Jesus is looking in your direction. He knows you. Now, sometimes when the Lord looks in your direction, it's not, not always what we expect. I remember in the Old Testament, hast thou considered my servant Job? Sometimes there's a trial involved. A test that is coming. But let me say this. It is always for your good. For God worketh all things together for good. To them who are the called according to his purpose. God has a purpose for your life. And Bartimaeus was no different. And so we see his compassion. And we see that compassion brought comfort unto him. But I want you to see the casting. Verse 50. This really doesn't bear on our message this morning. But I just like it. Notice what it says. And he casting away his garment rose and came to Jesus. It's just a byline in the scriptures. It's just kind of a filler, if you will, giving us some action words of what happened when Bartimaeus stood up. But the Bible says he cast away his garment. And I want you to think about it for a moment. That was a blind man's coat. That was a beggar's cloak. That was filled with the dust from the highway he sat beside. 
It was perhaps weathered and beaten and filled with holes. He could not afford a new wardrobe each and every week. He had no place perhaps even to know where to go to wash his clothes. I'm assuming it was tattered and ragged. And Bartimaeus, as the scripture points out to us, is basically saying, I won't need this anymore. I could put off the old. And I'm about to put on the new. Man, it's amazing what the Lord will do. How he changed his heart and his attitude in just a single call. Tell him to come. And Bartimaeus knew at that moment, all I have to do is come to Jesus. And I don't need this anymore. I'm no longer a beggar. I'm no longer going to be sitting beside this highway. I don't know what this mercy entails just yet. I've not quite yet got to Jesus, but I know that if I'm headed towards Christ, I no longer need the past. I can leave it behind. I could preach a message right there on repentance, couldn't I? The illustration that we see that we are to put off the old man according to his, or crucify the old man in his affections of the lust. We are to put off the old, we are to put on the new. The Bible talks about a coat uh, using this very illustration to put off the old coat and put on a new one. We are new creatures in Christ. And all we must do is come to him. So we see the casting. Well, I, I don't know, but it really doesn't bear on the message. I like that. Amen? Amen. Look at the next thing we see in verse 51. We see the concern. Jesus answered and said unto him, What thou, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Oh, he had some concerns, didn't he? He was concerned that he was blind. Here's the thing. When we find the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can start casting all our care upon him. Each and every one. I like what Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore by the mercies, plural, of God. I've used that illustration a thousand times, and I've always said that if I were the author, I would have said, I beseech you therefore by the mercy of God. Because mercy is kind of an all-encompassing thing, isn't it? But he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of In other words, I want you to stop and count each individual mercy. I want you to think of all the things that God has done for you. And when we find the mercy of God, then we can start casting our cares upon him. And that's what blind Bartimaeus did. He says, I I just need mercy. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus showed him mercy, he says, now what can I do for you? He says, oh Lord, that I might receive my sight. We're so busy, listen. We're so busy seeking the gifts, we often forget the giver. God, I need this, and God, I need that. Bartimaeus is just saying, I need Jesus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy, I need you. And when he found him, then Jesus was clearly happy to take care of his heart's needs. Let's seek him first. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. He'll take care of you if you just learn to trust him. And then we see his conversion, verse 52. 
And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight. And what did he do next? He disobeyed Jesus. Jesus said, go, and he says, I'm following. And he followed him in the way. Isn't that an amazing thing? Listen, can, can I say to you this morning, maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, but if you would meet him and find his mercy, you'll be compelled to follow him all the days of your life. You'll never want to turn back again if you truly experience the mercy of our Lord and understand what he can do for you. By mercy, he died on a cross to pay the price for your sins. By mercy, he shed his precious blood. By mercy, he took the beatings of the Roman soldiers. By mercy, he had a crown placed upon his head. And he did all of that as the sinless, spotless lamb of God, as a sacrifice for your sin, to pay the price for you. Do you know him today? We see his conversion as... Bartimaeus said, I will follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I said I'd give you a quick outline, and that is it, but let me give you some principles this morning that I think we can look at the Lord Jesus Christ, and we see the contrast, don't we? There's another C word if you're looking for a alliteration, a contrast. I see the difference between Jesus and the crowd. I see the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, but I see the quieting of the crowd. I see the, the grace of Jesus Christ extending towards Bartimaeus, and I see the crowd who in their harshness and hardness of heart tried to quiet him down and hush him at the side of the highway. Let me give you three things this morning. Number one, followers of Christ should be conduits of his mercy. Followers of Christ should be conduits of his mercy. I'm thankful that in the Word of God we find far more people trying to get people to Jesus than we do in these instances where somebody's trying to quiet somebody and keep them from Jesus. How many of you remember the, the demoniac boy and his father who came to the disciples seeking that the boy might be freed and, and, and the boy uh, still began to wallow in the fire and, and, and throw himself into the water and foam at the mouth and the disciples could not free the boy but the Lord Jesus Christ with a spoken word cast out the demons, and the boy was free. That was because of a concerned father. How many of you remember the stories in the Word of God where somebody uh, had four friends who would take him on his bed of, of, of a life of impotency and a life of powerlessness and a, a, the paralytic, and they, they carried him up on a rooftop, and they opened up the tiles of the roof, and they lowered him down into the presence of Jesus. We'll do anything to get him to Christ. We'll get anything for him to find mercy. How do you remember the centurion who was so concerned about his servant? Who lie on his deathbed, he sent people to Jesus. And Jesus said, I'll come to your house. And the centurion says, no, no, no. For I'm a man in authority and I know that I can command a man to do this and another to do this and he will do it. And Lord, you have authority. And if you just say the word, he'll be healed. He said, I have not some, so great a faith in all of Israel. He says, go, you'll be healed. And that same hour, the boy was healed. How many times in the scriptures do we see people being conduits of God's mercy? And yet this crowd said, hush, hush, Bartimaeus. He said, well, I, I don't really know what to do for people. 
I've not been trained. I don't, I don't have a counseling degree. I don't know how to, to lead a soul to Christ. I don't know how to help somebody that's going through a bad marriage. And I don't know how to help somebody that's struggling with their children. I don't know, I don't know what to tell somebody that's, that's, that's lost their job and struggling with their finances. I just don't know what to say in those instances. But you know somebody who does. And you can get them to Jesus. You can tell them about a Savior who cares for them. You can tell them about a God who loves them. And that they can cast all their cares upon him. And you can pray with those people. And, and those people that, that knew Bartimaeus. And, and though they may not have known how to heal his blinded eyes. Or they did not know how to solve his social economic problems. Or they didn't know how to feed him. Or they didn't know how to clean him up. They didn't know what. But they could have taken him to Jesus. They could have helped him in some way. Let us be conduits of mercy. Here's the second principle. Followers of Christ should never cover up his mercy. Look at verse 48. Many charged him that he should hold his peace. I want to say this morning that these people weren't just indifferent. They weren't just not conduits of his mercy. They, they actively sought to cover up his mercy. They wanted to put a shield between him and Jesus. And again, I don't know all the reasons. I don't know if there was selfish desire that they thought they'd lose their spot in line. I don't know what it was that they thought. Maybe they thought that this miracle was too great even for Jesus. I don't know what they were thinking. But I read that and I was under conviction thinking, how many times have I hidden Jesus from people? Melinda Clark of the Clark family sings a song, Do They See Jesus in Me? Do they recognize his voice? I remember an old song years ago by the Cathedral Quartet, When the world looks at me, do they see Jesus? When the world looks at me, what do they see? Do they see hope? Do they see love? Do they see charity? When the world looks at me, what do they see? These folks were not just indifferent but they were actively trying to hush the man and hide God's mercy. I'm saddened often today when I watch the news and you'll see some war in some far off place and you see people doing wicked things. And I'm not just talking about, I'm not saying war is wicked necessarily. We understand the human condition and fallen man and countries go to war and always have. I get that. But war is a wicked thing. But you see these atrocities take place often in the name of their God. And even Christians, they'll say, well, this group of Christians blew up this. I remember a few years ago, a young man from Crown College, Crown College of the Bible at Temple Baptist Church in, in Powell, Tennessee, who went out and bombed an abortion clinic. And he thought, well, I'm saving lives. But he did a wicked thing in killing other people and blowing up a building. And I thought, how does anybody see the mercy of Jesus through that? Well, let's be honest, sometimes we're guilty of the same thing, aren't we? A harsh word, we get angry, 
The lineup at the store is not moving fast enough. Something you just bought broke and they won't honor the warranty and you just want to tear a piece out of somebody. I mean, somebody cuts you off in traffic. Boy, that's a test of your sanctification right there, isn't it? Right? And then they make some rude gesture to you like it was your fault. Man, you ever get that? I call it bubbling up inside of me. Let them see Jesus in you. Don't block the view of Christ. Think about the posture of this man. This blind man was sitting at the side of the road. And as these people walked, it would have been awful hard to see Jesus. The Bible says he heard that Jesus was passing by. He couldn't see anyway. But even if it was a sighted person sitting there begging, they'd have never saw Jesus through all of those so-called disciples. Followers of Christ should not cover his mercy. But let me give you a third and final principle. Listen to this. I like this. Followers of Christ can collaborate with his mercy. The word collaborate means to have a shared interest. I want you to think about that with me this morning. Imagine blind Bartimaeus comes to Jesus. I, I, I don't know why, but I just have this feeling that when blind Bartimaeus got through that, I, I think the crowd kind of split open. I don't know why. I just, I just picture it. If I were making the movie, here's what I would do. <laughs> they turned to him, they called, and they said, the master calleth to thee. Come, be of good comfort. As he rises from that place, maybe some people helped him up a little bit, I don't know. Obviously, he was blind. They had to point him kind of in the right direction. Maybe somebody said, hold my arm and I'll take you to Jesus. And that crowd opened up as Bartimaeus walks towards Christ. I also got this feeling that the crowd got silent. I don't know why. I just, I, I, it's my movie. Leave me alone, all right? <laughs> I just got this feeling that it just kind of got quiet. You see, why did it get quiet? Because Jesus is speaking now. I think it got quiet because I think some of them might have been hanging their heads. Thinking, oh man, I'm one that said hush. I'm one that said master doesn't have time for you. He doesn't care about you. Some of them had their heads hung. And as they got him to Jesus and Jesus said, what can I do for you? And he says, oh Lord, I would that I'd have my sight. And God's mercy spilled over that day and the man's Faith made him whole, and from that moment he could see, and his sight was restored. I wish I were in the crowd saying, I collaborated with that. I wish I was one that helped. I wish I was one that instead of hushing Jesus, I hushed all the rest of them and said, come with me. Let me take you to Christ. How many of you are thrilled when you hear that person you gave a gospel track, even 10, 15, 20 years ago, all of a sudden they walk an aisle and get saved. Amen. Might not have been in your church, but it might have been somewhere. And they can testify, right, Maria? That 25 years ago, somebody gave you a gospel track. And for 25 years they prayed. And they collaborated. They got on board in showing somebody the mercy of Christ. Would to God. Dr. Sisk just turned 90 years old. You, you know Dr. Sisk preached last year here for some our graduations, some revival meetings. 
His favorite song is the song called Faces. And the song kind of starts out saying, you know, I kind of, I got to heaven. I had to go meet the Lord. And, and I'm standing there thinking, I didn't do much in this life. I didn't do much good. What, what impact have I had? Wondering if, if I helped at all. And it says, Jesus then showed me all the faces of the ones I touched, the ones I'd helped, the ones that I got to Calvary. May we be that people. May we stand before God one day, maybe not knowing everybody, but finding a reward because we were collaborating with Christ. It comes down to this, whose team are you on? Who are you working for? Who are you serving? We ought to be conduits of his mercy. We should never cover up his mercy. But we can collaborate and we can be part of the reward when somebody finds Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, help us today. Speak to our hearts. Lord, you've stirred my heart through the scriptures this morning and spoke to me about how often we can hide the very mercy of Christ because of our attitude and our behavior and our speech. And Lord, I pray when the world looks at me, they'll see Jesus. Oh, God, help us. Humble us today to realize that we are servants of Christ, not servants of ourselves. That we are not here to leave a legacy or to build up our own names, but to promote and worship the name of Jesus Christ and hold him high. And the Bible promises that if he be lifted up, he will draw men unto himself. So help us, Lord, to take up that cause today and to take up that cross. And Lord, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If, if God has spoke to your heart, would you step out and come? Let me ask you this this morning. Maybe there's somebody right now you're saying, I need, they need to know God's mercy and they need to see it through me. Maybe I can show them. Maybe I can help. Maybe I can point them to Jesus. You see, once they discover God's mercy, he'll open up the windows of heaven for them. Maybe there's one here today, preacher, I'm not saved. I don't know where I'd spend eternity if I were to die today. I need to know about this Jesus that you spoke about. I need to know him. I need to know his mercy. We are saved by his mercy. For by grace are you saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. We can help you today. Is there one say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you pray for me? Would you slip up your hand? Let me pray for you this morning. Is there one? Is there one? 